Well, I know that there are a lot of people out of town today. I was scrolling through Facebook, and I'm like, yep, okay, that's, those people are gone. Yep, those people are gone. Yep, those people are gone. But you aren't. So thank you for showing up today. Thank you very much. And we finished up our Elf series last week. Today I want to talk to you about finishing strong and finish the year strong. I'm going to give you four things that people who finish strong, these are four things that people do when they finish strong. I think everybody wants to finish strong. And Christmas Eve, we got the news that my uncle had passed away and got that news uh, right after one of the services on Christmas Eve. And, you know, when I think about people coming to the end of their life and, or coming up to the end of the year, we all, we, we all want to finish strong. But I found that there are keys and things to implement to finish strong. If a team is going to finish a game strong, there are certain things they have to do. If you're going to finish your life strong, there are certain things you're going to have to do. Well, we're going to pick up in the book of Judges. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of history of Israel and the, and the history. This is prior to the nation of Israel having kings. Much like children, the nation of Israel looked around and said, well, they have a king and they have a king and they have a king and we don't have a king. I want a king because my neighbor down the street has a king and they have a bike. I want that bike and they have an Xbox and I want an Xbox. Does anybody's children, anybody parents, can you relate? Yes, just a few of you. The rest of you are an amazing, excellent, perfect parents to raise your kids, not to compare themselves to other kids. That is awesome. Would you please see me after service? I want to talk to you. No, seriously. Israel's doing this, and God says you don't need a king. You have priests, prophets, and judges. And they are to rule the nation of Israel, and I will rule through them. And so we are in the book of Judges prior to Israel having kings. And in the book of Judges, we have judges like Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jer. And we come to the very last judge, and that's who we're going to look at today, Samson. How many of you, let me see your hands if you're familiar with Samson, just a little bit, okay, great. Uh, if you've not been in church and you're not familiar with Samson, I'll just give you a little bit of a backstory. Samson was the last judge of Israel. Samson, he was told, or his parents were told by an angel that he should be a Nazarite. To be a Nazarite, there were a few conditions to be a Nazarite or to be a Nazarene. You were not allowed to cut your hair. You were not allowed to consume alcohol, and you were not allowed to marry basically outside of the nation of Israel. In other words, you could not have a wife that had a different belief system than the nation of Israel or the Jewish people. And man, if you're dating, there's all kinds of dating lessons in that. To date somebody with a different belief system is just dynamite waiting to explode in your face. But this isn't dating. This is finishing strong. So there were a few rules to be a Nazarene. And we get to the story of Samson. Well, he, in his strength, he's extremely strong. And the Bible says that his strength, the Lord told his parents, as long as you don't cut his hair, he will have in, uh, incredible strength. And what happens to Samson? Well, he doesn't cut his hair. He begins to just really whip up on the Philistines, killing hundreds at one time and, and just really doing some amazing things. And like a lot of us, sometimes 
our greatest deterrent to moving forward is our last success. Our greatest deterrent to moving forward is our last success. Look what I did. Look what I've done. Look what I did. And aren't you proud of that? And that deters us from moving forward because we want to live in the glory moment. We all know the high school athlete that wins the sectional by throwing the touchdown pass or hitting the buzzer beater, and 20 years later, they're still living that moment, and they haven't moved on because the greatest your last success is your greatest deterrent to moving forward. And so this becomes Samson, and this becomes a thing of pride for him, and I can do whatever I want, and I'm good. So what happens? Well, he goes out, and he begins to date a woman that doesn't have the same belief system that he does. And she eventually cons him in, and I want to encourage you to read his story in Judges. She cons him in to telling him where his strength lies. And so while he's sleeping one day, she cuts his hair. The Philistines, who are his natural enemy, capture him. They bring him. The Bible says that they gouge out, burn out his eyes so that he can't see. They cut his hair. He now has the strength of a regular man. And they have him captured. But we're, where we pick up with Samson today is this moment where he is captured. The Philistines are having this great party. The Bible says there are about 3,000 of them just on the rooftop alone celebrating, let alone who knows how many thousands are actually in the building itself. There are 3,000 just on the roof alone looking down, watching in their great temple, this, this huge building. And we find something in Judges and in Samson's life that we seem to find, I think in everybody's life, I think we can all relate to this, but in the book of Judges, we find the nation of Israel, we see it in Samson's life, there is first in their life, there is basically what I'm going to call what the Bible terms it apostasy, it's the theological term, apostasy, apostasy simply means to fall away to fall out of, to fall away from, right? How many of you, I'm gonna bring this up. I don't mean this to be a slight on anyone, but you know the first of the year's coming and everybody's gonna get back into the gym, right? And somewhere around February, there's gonna be a great apostasy at the gym. There's gonna be a great falling away at the gym. In fact, I hate going to the gym in January because I, I can't ever get to where I want to go or be, but I know in 30 days that machine will be available at the exact same time. So apostasy simply means a falling away, to fall away from. And so they have this cycle in Israel. There's a, there's a falling away from the Lord. And then the next thing that comes in the nation of Israel when they fall away from God and they get out of touch with God is servitude or I call it slavery. They get captured by another country. They get taken into slavery. One of the most famous ones is Egypt. They get taken to Egypt for slavery, slavery servitude. And what happens when you fall away from the gym, you become a slave to the calories. You're like, man, why are you talking about this? Well, because Christmas is over. Now we can face reality, right? No, we can't. Don't face reality, bad. And so we become a slave to the calories. We become a slave to our cravings. And this is what happens to Israel. There's an apostasy. There's a falling away in their relationship with God. The result is they become a slave to other countries. They become a slave to their own natural desires. And then there is at some point, the Bible calls it, the theological term is supplication. 
And, and you see this cycle in Israel. And supplication simply means to cry out for help and to cry out for salvation. We fall away from the gym. We become a slave to the cinnamon buns. And then all of a sudden, we cry out for help. So we get a health coach or we start going to the gym to get a trainer again. We cry out for help. And so this happens in our lives. It happens of course, the gym is obviously a light example, but the real example is our real life and our real relationship with Christ, isn't it? We tend to things go good, so we get away from church and we get away from our relationship with God. And so then what happens? Well, we become slaves to our own natural desires, our own natural wants. We get into bondage to ourselves or whatever the enemy may tempt us with. Then we begin to cry out to God, God, help me with this. I need help with this. And then God, without fail, is the final phase. And then God comes in with salvation, and he saves us. He saves the nation of Israel, and he begins to bless them again. And what happens? We begin to get blessed again, and we begin to do good again. And then we have a falling away. We have apostasy. And so it's just this cycle that seems to run in people's lives. It ran in the nation of Israel. Every single judge, if you read them in the book of Judges in the Bible, every single judge, when they are the judge of Israel, the supreme judge, this cycle happens. Why? Well, if I can sum it up in one word, human. It's human nature. When things are going good, we take our foot off the accelerator. We tend to let go of things. And so here's Samson. He's the last judge. He's been captured by the enemies of Israel. They've gouged out his eyes. They're having this feast, this party, this celebration. We've defeated one of their leaders. We've got him. He's been a thorn in their side. And so let's read in Judges chapter 16. We're going to read 23 through 31. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon. Dagon. Uh, sorry, it just struck me funny. Anyway, to Dagon, their God, to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they, paused, or they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. Let me just pause right there. The word entertain literally means bring him out so that we can make fun of him. So they're pulling him out. They're pulling him out of his jail cell. They're dragging him up so that they can smack talk. He can entertain them, etc. So they called Samson out of prison, and he performed for them. And when they, when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All of the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me, please, God, strengthen me just once more, and let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes." Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, and his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all of the people in it. 
Thus, he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Ishtal in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel 20 years. Well, here's Samson. And he says, as, as they begin to, to bring him out, they're worshiping their god, Dagon. And isn't it interesting that in our own lives, there's two ways to do things. There's our way, and there's God's way. And the Philistines wanted to do things their way. I mean, I've got my enemy. I'm going to capture him. Now I'm going to smack talk him. I'm going to put him on parade for everybody to see, and I'm going to celebrate. The biblical thing to do would have been just to go on about your day and pray for your enemy, right, and, and move on. But our way says, I've conquered this, and I want everybody to see what I've done, and there's an element of pride in there. And so let's show them, let's show everybody who we've captured and, and what we've done. And so in our lives, there's always two ways. There's our way and there's God's way. And we have to make a decision. Our way, our goals, and our way of doing things eventually will always lead to our destruction. The Bible says that the wages or the earnings, the paycheck for sin is death. Our way is sinful. Our way is away from God. But moving towards God and doing things God's way brings everlasting life. It's what the Bible says. God's way leads to victory. And so they're celebrating their way, but Samson kind of comes to himself, and, and in his own way, he pleads for God to help him. He pleads for God to help him. And so what we know about this particular temple, we know this temple exists. We, we, when I say we, I mean like mankind, like I wasn't on an archaeological dig or anything like that. But Archaeologists have found this temple. They, they have found the structure. They, they have found other buildings like this built around this time period by the Philistines. And the building is such that the roof and the building is supported by two pillars. The two pillars that support the roof and support the building are about six feet apart. Now, they found this building because when they were digging to build a new building, they dug through the earth and they found it. And it, of course, had been buried over time. And so they found these two pillars... And we're about six feet apart that had been ripped down. Somehow it looked like very violently. And so we know through archaeology, we know where this temple is. We, we have it. We've, it's been excavated. And these pillars are about six feet apart. And so if you put a man between the two pillars who are about six feet apart with enough strength and with enough force, and not only archaeologists, but... Um, Man, the, the name escapes me right now. But people who design buildings and such, they, they have said, architects, thank you. Archaeologists, architects. Anyway. They said with enough force and with enough pressure on these pillars, it would collapse the whole building. And so I guess the Philistines needed better architects. And that's, that's, this is where Samson is between these two pillars. And he finishes strong. He fin yes, he's defeated and he dies in the process, but he finishes strong. The first point 
To people who finish strong is this. People who finish strong, one, have built a history of action in their life. They are people of action. Here's what I can tell you. From being with people in their last days before they pass away or um, walking with people in the last few years of their lives, I can tell you this. That if you try to make a life change in the last year of your life to finish strong, it simply will not happen. Why? Because you've built up your life for 79 years doing it the same way. And suddenly you're going to flip a switch in the last year of your life. It doesn't happen. People who finish strong have a lifetime of action. A lifetime of stepping out and making things happen. And so I want to encourage you, if you're young here today, like I know a lot of you are, I know a lot of you are, your body might say you're old, but your mind says you're young. And so we're going to go with that part of you. And some of you here are young in mind and young in body. So listen to me. The habits and the actions that you take now are what you are creating for your life. And people who finish strong have a history in their life of taking action to fight the norm, to be different to do what's not been done before. Those are the people that finish strong. They have a history of action. It's very, very difficult. All of a sudden, the last two years, and the doctor says you've got about two years left, it's suddenly, not that it can't be done, and not that you don't have suddenly the desire and the momentum and the reason to make things different, but suddenly it's much more difficult because you've gone 79 years of being this way. This is why change is so important. Change is so important in one's life. That if you're going to finish strong, you have to be a person of action. Samson was a person of action, defeating Philistines. Going out of his way to defeat Philistines. He would look for them behind the bushes. He, he was a person of action. In one account, Samson grabs the donkey, or the, a dead donkey, grabs the jawbone of a dead donkey and slays tens of Philistines, taking them out. It's a person of action, using whatever he has around him to get things done, to make things happen. The second thing that I can tell you about people who finish strong is this. They're aware of their surroundings. They know what, they, because of they've built up a history of action, they've learned to be aware of their surroundings. They've learned to be aware of what works and what doesn't work. People who just sit around really don't have any idea what works and what doesn't work. They only know that if the TV remote doesn't work, it probably needs new batteries. Right? Joey just gave me a thumbs up. Come on, man. <laughs> right? People who don't take any action never really are never aware of their surroundings. How many of you have heard the story about boiling a frog, right? If you put a frog in hot boiling water, he'll just jump out. But if you put the frog in regular water and then just slowly turn the temperature up, he'll boil to death and he'll never know the difference. And people who don't take action and don't make change happen, those are the people, those are the people that are in the boiling pot and life is just slowly turning up the heat. And so, being aware of their surroundings. So they bring Samson out. Now, he may not be able to see, but he can hear. He probably can smell the food. He can probably just get a sense of where he's at in the building. 
Maybe the guards have said, we're going to chain you up. And so what's he do? He's aware of his surroundings. He knows the, he had to have known the building. He had to know the architecture of the building. He must have known something. He wasn't just all muscle. He was intelligent enough to know, okay, I'm in this building. There has to be, just from the sounds, there has to be hundreds, if not thousands of people around here. Hey, would you, would you tie me up between these two pillars? Okay, <laughs> right? Sure. He's not going to pull those things down. And so they tie him up. He's aware of his surroundings. He said it. He said in Judges 16, 26 and 27, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple. And they gladly obliged so that I may lean against them. I'm tired. I've been a prisoner. I've had my eyes poked out. I'm spent. There's nothing left of me, but I have, I have enough left in me to finish this thing strong. Would you just tie me up against, would you tie me to the pillars so that I can basically kill all of you. And if I kill myself in the process, that's fine because I'm here to do what I was supposed to do all along. So being aware of your surroundings, are you aware, when you're in a group of people, are you aware of the group dynamics? If if you were on the job, can, can you point out who is the leader that has the appointed authority, and can you point out the leader that has the unappointed authority? You see, the supervisor or the manager is an authority, but likely there's somebody else in the group that everybody else looks to for advice and information. One has given authority, one has earned authority authority. And here's what I can tell you. Earned authority will always trump given authority. Always. Always. The conversation in the hallway trumps the policy on the desk. It just does. In any business, any organization, it just does. Right? So are you aware of your surroundings? Do you know what's going on around you? Do you know, do you know what supports others? Are you aware of what makes the people around you? Are you aware of what makes them tick? Are you aware of what makes them cry? Are you aware of what their dreams are? Do you, do you know what their passions are? Are you aware of the surroundings? Are you aware of the people under your roof and what makes them tick and what makes them happy and what makes them sad? Do you, do you know what they love and what they don't like? Are you aware of your surroundings? Because people who finish strong are aware of their surroundings. Samson said, okay, put me up against these pillars. I know where I'm at. I know how many, I got an idea how many people are here. Put me up against these pillars. I just need to lean against them. I'm tired, right? So he asked, he says that. He's aware of his surroundings. The third thing that people who finish strong do They are connected to God. They have a purpose. They have a destiny. They are connected to something much bigger than themselves. What did Samson say? Samson said, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Now, I'm not going to lie. Samson's reason for pulling down the temple and killing thousands of people was to get personal revenge. I'm not going to lie. It says it in the Bible. 
But God had other plans. God knew that if the Philistines were to ever truly survive, they, they would run amok over Israel. In fact, there's a whole school of theological thought, and I believe there is some credence to this, that, that Philistine in our modern language actually is now Palestine, Palestinians. This fight goes way back. When we talk about Israel and Palestine, the Palestinians and the Jews in the Middle East, Palestinian traced back goes back to the word Philistine. This is a long 5,000, 4,000 year history between these two people. And so Samson is connected to God, and God says, you know what, I have a purpose and a plan. And for my reasonings, and the Bible isn't clear on this, but it seems as if God says, for my reasonings, I will allow you to get revenge. I will, allow, I will strengthen you one last time to do this. So people who finish strong include God and their purpose. They stay connected to something bigger than themselves. People who finish strong realize it's not about them. And number four, people who finish strong, number four in closing is this. I said it in number one, they've built a history of it. But number four, they act. Number one, they've built a history of action. But number four kind of comes full circle in that they act. In their last days, they act. They take action. They do something. Because it says in the Bible that Samson then began to push and to pull these pillars with all of his strength, with all of his might, and everything that he had, it came tumbling down. And that day, he killed more Philistines and protected Israel more on that day than he had in his entire 20 years of serving as a judge in the nation of Israel. People who finish strong do not sit. They do not sit. I'm going to share this story I've, in, in a book that I'm currently reading. And I'm reading this, this book by a Jewish rabbi, and he talks about, and it's about business. And it, it, it's business from the viewpoint of a Jewish rabbi. And he says, he says that you are in business for yourself. You are not employed by General Motors. Motors. You are not what he calls a wage slave. You are not employed by Franklin LaPel Community Schools. You are a supervisor. You are a teacher. That's, that's what you do. That's your skill set. You just happen to render those services to that organization. But you are truly in business for yourself. And he says, and he gives this example. He says, when he was first starting out, he says that he was creating a process, writing a process document for a car dealership and writing their business processes. He says he was getting paid $350 to write this process manual. He said, now I could, he said, I could sit and watch TV or I could earn the $350 and write for $350, write this business process manual. I could also make my wife happy because the yard needed mowed at the time. 
And I could go out and mow my yard instead of watching TV, which is what I really wanted to do, or I could sit and write this process manual. He's like, now I have three options. Watch TV, mow the yard to make my wife happy, or write the process manual for $350. He says, but you have to understand business from a Jewish perspective. He goes, I can make four people happy in this scenario because I'm in business for myself. So I'm going to write the process manual. I'm going to go deliver it today to the car dealership. And I'm going to earn $350. I'm going to make the owner of the car dealership very happy that I've delivered this two days early. Of the $350, I'm going to pay somebody $60 to come mow my yard. And I'm going to make that guy happy because he's earning an income. And I'm going to make my wife happy, which will make me happy. He said, so I took action by making one decision to earn 350, give 60 of it away to get my yard mowed, and I made four people happy. Action creates attraction. When you are a person of action, you attract people to yourself. So the first of the year, I want to ask you, what are you taking? How are you going to finish out 2019 so that when you walk into 2020, you're a person of action? And if you're not a person of action, how do you begin to build? I want to encourage you to begin to build action into your life. Those are the four things that people f- finish strong. That's what they do. They have a history of positive action. They're aware of their surroundings. They connect to God, and they act with everything that they have. Last story. I used to run cross country. Now, I know this, you probably don't ask me to run it now. My body would collapse probably about a quarter of a mile in. But I used to run cross country. And finished and was very well at it. Actually, if I, if I may say so, I was very, very good at cross country, was usually came in second or first in the county, in Madison County, and up until junior high, and we had our county meet my eighth grade year. Here's why I was good. Here's why I won. I would run the race, and I would find somebody that had a slightly faster pace than myself and I would watch their feet. And before long, my feet were moving at their pace, so I just stayed 20 feet behind them. And then I would stop watching their feet, and I'd look around, and I'd find the feet of the person in front of them, and I'd start running at their pace, and I'd start running. And before long, my feet are moving at their pace because I'm watching their feet. But then something happened about a quarter of a mile from the finish line, something that most cross-country runners didn't do but you see it now. So maybe I was a trendsetter, I don't know. I doubt it. Nobody ever saw me run cross country in Madison County. Anyway, the last quarter mile, I sprinted it. I sprinted the entire last quarter mile. So what happened? I took off. I wanted to finish strong. I'm gonna finish, and you know what happened to all of the other people that had busted their tail at the beginning or busted their tail in the middle or, or were saving just enough to get across the line, they couldn't keep up with the guy who was willing to finish strong. 
I just set my pace to be within so many yards of the leader. And then that last quarter of a mile, I just sprinted like nobody's business. Here's what I want for you. I want you to sprint. I want you to sprint, to run. Yes, life is a marathon. But there are things in your life that maybe you're bringing to a close. You need to sprint at the end. And people go, oh my gosh, how did they do that? It's because you ran your race and you paced yourself with the people in front of you and you learned from them and you grew from them. And then when the time is right, you flipped that switch and you sprinted. Yeah, I, it was kind of gross at the end of one meet. Actually, it was kind of gross at the end of a few meets because I would be over behind a bush bringing stuff up from inside of me. But I won! Right? I won! Because I was willing to do what it took to finish strong. And I believe in this room today there are people who are willing to finish strong. I believe there are people who are willing to do what it takes to finish their life strong. Let's stand up. And let's finish 2019. You only got a few days left. What is it you want to start and what is it you want to finish? And let's be people of action to move out and get things done and make things happen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you call us to be people of action. You call us to be people that walk alongside you. You call us to be people to move forward and to push on. And God, I thank you for that. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here today that's going to energize us and move us forward. And Lord, may we not be like Samson in that our greatest success, our most recent greatest success is a deterrent to moving forward. Instead, may be a catalyst to push us forward. And may we be like Samson when we reach the end of something, that we finish strong. And that at the end, man, we just rip it up and tear it up because we are following you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen.